Um, I don't know if you recognize any voices there. Uh, this series, at least in my mind and my heart, is one of the most anticipated series since our church has been in existence for the past four years. We have been working on this series, and it's a little something extra special because we partnered with uh, the church that we support in Ireland to work together to plan this series. And we were supposed to be going through it each week, the same thing, and we got you know snowed out and COVIDed out for four straight weeks. And so we're four weeks behind them. They've been doing this series. God has a name. But we teamed together. Some of the people from their church in Ireland and some of the people from our church here recorded the scripture. This is the main thing for it. And so I'm excited. I, I believe it's worth the wait because we're going to get to know God, hopefully in a deeper, in a more rich, in a more full and fulfilling way. And I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you're here watching on Facebook Live this morning. And we're going uh, to dig in. Okay, now I, I mentioned to you, if you did not get a name tag, there's someone on that table back there. We're not a name tag church. Don't freak out. This isn't something we do each week where we make everybody put their name tag on. But today it fits with what we're talking about. And so what I want you to do for just a second, and we don't normally do this either, so don't, don't freak out on me, is I want you to stand up. Everybody stand up if you're able to. And then I want you to mingle for just a couple of seconds. You can fist bump or shake hands, whatever you feel comfortable. If you just want to bow, I don't care. But read everybody's name tag about what their character trait is in their name. Say hello, and then I'll call us back together in just a second. All right. If you could, make your way back to your seat. Some of y'all are getting out a little out of control with this, okay? It's time to rein it back in, bring it back in. Um, I, I love that uh, we can... Uh, touch base with each other, check on each other. You're first known by your name in almost every situation, right? Even if you walk into a situation where you're a complete stranger, and if you have an opportunity to get to know somebody, you know, you normally tell your name, maybe your first, maybe your first and last, you know, maybe depending on the scenario, you might uh, come in and it might say, you know, Mr. Wallace or, you know, or whatever your name might be. Whatever the case is, you're known by your names, but then when we really get close to people, we get to know each other a little bit deeper. And then maybe, you know, maybe it's something, maybe it's a nickname, maybe it's something like that. Um, you know, I have a lot of names that I'm known by. I'm known by Bobby. I'm known by Dad. I'm known by, uh, you know, I don't think my wife ever calls me husband, but, you know, she says, this is my husband. Uh, we're, not, we're not the little sweet, precious names people. Are, are any of y'all like babe people? You know, hey, babe, you know that? Some of y'all are like that. That's cool. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. The only time that I'm like that is on Christmas presents. 20-some years ago, I started signing my Christmas presents on the little tag to my wife. I would call her, like, my Cherie Amour, and then I would say, uh, your sweet baboo. And, you know, and like everyone's different though. So like every name, everyone's a different name for her and everyone's a different name for me. But Sweet Baboo is kind of, uh, it's sort of like derivative of baboon. And that's, you kind of get that, right? I, no, I don't know. It came from some movie, I guess. Anyway, but that, that's what I do. But that's the closest we are to little names. You know, um, I, something I'm not always proud of, but uh, I'm, I'm straight from the country, y'all. I am from Eastern North Carolina. And my given name is Bobby Jean. It is not Robert. It is not. It's Bobby Jean. I don't know why I'm not a, a NASCAR driver. I, my wife thinks I drive like one, but I have the perfect name, Bobby Jean Wallace. I mean, NASCAR all over, right? I'm, just, I'm not even a real fan. But anyway, I don't know. I missed my calling, I guess, because some of you are like, yeah, you shouldn't be preaching. But anyway, but... <laughs> I'm known by a lot of things, and you are in the same way. The more you get to know people, it's not just about a name. Hopefully, it's about 
maybe a character trait. Maybe your family knows you as loving. You know, I, I put on mine, I put welcoming. It, it's something that I hope that I am. I hope I make people feel welcome wherever I am as much as I can. And, and I don't know what you put on yours that you hope you're known by or it's your goal to be known by. But as you get closer and you build relationships with family and friends, hopefully they get to know more than just your name, right? More than just your name, it's about who you really are, your character, what makes you up. And so over these next few weeks, we want to get to know God a little bit deeper. Are you with me? We want to get to know God. It's easy to know facts about God, but not really know God. And we're going to be looking at a uh, series that's based on a book by a guy named John Mark Comer. And this book has been phenomenal. I've enjoyed it a lot. And I'll be honest, a lot of my message today, I really rely on him because there was so much stuff that I just wanted to share with you to kind of lay the foundation for this. And so I give credit to him for his really good way of formulating ideas. And, and I want to share a lot of this stuff with you today. You might know the title, God, and that's what we got to realize first and foremost, that God is really a title, it's not so much a name. But for a lot of us, that's what we kind of refer to when we talk about God, is God, we call him God. But I want us to get to know a little bit deeper. When we say God, it's really easy, right, to assume that everybody is on the same page, but more than ever, we got to be aware that's not the case, right? In our world that's very multicultural and people, you know, from all over the world and all different sorts of backgrounds, when we say God, it can mean a very different thing. When someone says God, depending on your birthplace, your experiences, your religion, or any number of things, you may think Buddha, you may think the Hebrew God, you may think Allah, you may think yourself, you may think the trees, you may think your ancestors, or you may answer, there is no God. I mean, depending on who you're talking to and what scenario you were raised in and what your life has been like, your, your answer could be very many things about who is God. So that question is the one that we want to answer over these next few weeks. Who is God? If we want to talk about God, we got to know who we're talking about, right? A.W. Tozer said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a powerful quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing to us. And if you're pushing back in your mind, you're thinking, why? Why is that so important? Because here's a quote as well that's been said many times over. Don't even know who to attribute it to. But we become like what we worship. What we worship, whether, whatever it is, we become like. And hopefully we're going to become like the one true God and we're going to worship him. We're going to become like him. And to quote the author of this book that we're basing this series off of, John Mark Comer, he says this, We usually end up with a God who looks an awful lot like us. Did you hear that? Even us that are Christians, even if you've been born and raised in the church, or, or you've been a Christian for a couple of years or a few months, we can very quickly try to take God as big and massive and mighty as he is and cram him into this little box that's shaped just like you and me. And, and sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, God living in us, we take that a little bit literally in the wrong way is where God just sort of comes and just fills us up and doesn't really change us. But God's calling us to be like him. And so that's what we're going to really dig into. Who is God? And I want to ask you this. Would you rather create a God of your own making 
that doesn't stretch you or change you or shape you or challenge you, only to find out that he is a false god? Or do you want to worship the God who created you? That's our challenge. Make sure that we're worshiping the God who created us. In Genesis, we see God called Elohim. That's a, a plural, kind of generic term for God. I, 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 the Bible nerd in me has to point this out. Isn't it cool that it's plural? You know, God hovered over the surface of the deep. A little bit later in that same passage there in Genesis, he said, Come, let us make God in our own image. Jesus was there in the beginning. The Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. It's always been three in one. It's so cool. Plural was there. Plural God. And then to Abraham, a little bit later in Genesis, we see him describe himself as El Shaddai. If any of you grew up in the 80s and you were a part of a church, you heard that song, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Anybody remember that? Only two of y'all? If you see a few hands. El Shaddai. Uh, using that word, El, which was also a Canaanite word, which stood for the king of the gods. So the Canaanites would use the word El. The Hebrews would use the word El. And so when he said, I'm El Shaddai, he's saying, I am the almighty big king of the gods. And that's how he described himself to Abraham. I'm the strongest God that there is. And then in Exodus chapter 3, when he speaks to Moses from the burning bush, you remember that story? When he speaks to Moses from out of the burning bush, he literally has a conversation with Moses. That's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing that the God of the universe, the El Shaddai, the Almighty, would just chat with Moses. When God tells him he wants Moses to lead his people out of slavery, Moses basically says, wait, what, come again? You want me to do what? And he goes on to tell him, says, yes, I want you to let my people go. Go to Pharaoh and tell him this. And so he says, who am I supposed to say is, is sending me? Well, you know, I'm going to go. These people haven't heard from you in 400 years of captivity. Who am I supposed to say? And he asked in Hebrew, Moses asked God, he says, Mashimo, which is translated, what is his name? When they say, what is his name? Who am I supposed to say? And that's not too strange to us. You know, I, I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any stretch. I, you know, I rely on some word studies on Blue Letter Bible and different things. And, and what uh, my friend John Mark Comer says here in this book, he's not really my friend. We don't know each other. But it's not too strange to us, but to a Hebrew person, if you're a Hebrew in the camp and you're walking around and you walk up to somebody you haven't met before, you wouldn't say, Mashimo, what is your name? You would say something more akin to Mishimka, which would be, who is your name or who are you called? You wouldn't say, what are you called? You would say, who are you called? But Moses asked Mashimo, what is the meaning of your name? Because they'd heard a lot of names of other gods. I mean, the Egyptians had a god for every minute of the day, it seemed like. I mean, they worship the Nile, they worship the sun, they worship the moon, they worship, you know, flies and gnat gods and all this sort of stuff. That's why all the, the plagues were, they were all attacking gods, you know. And so they knew gods. He said, but what is the meaning of your name? What he was saying is, what makes you, God, you? What is your character? So don't just tell me, you know, Bobby or Sherry, your, your common name. Tell me about your characters, what Moses is saying. And then God, from the burning bush, 
says an iconic thing. Even if you don't know the Bible, you might know this phrase and not even know where it comes from. But God from the burning bush says, I am who I am. That's like, first off, it's like, what? <laughs> and then if you start to think about it a little bit, it's like, man, that's powerful. That's powerful. In Hebrew, it sounds like Eya Asher Eya. Eya Asher Eya. And the idea is, whatever I am, I will be. God is saying, I do not change. I am. I am. That's nice to hear, isn't it? If we have become accustomed to anything over these past two years, it's what? Change. I, I like change, but I got a little sick of change over these past two years. It's like, okay, what are we doing now? What, what's the protocols? Stand on one foot, put, touch your nose, point at mercury. You know, I mean, it's like everything changes, right? We've got a 137-day a, a quarantine. We've got a 14-day quarantine. Now we got five if you do this. <laughs> I mean, it's like everything changes, right? And, you know, and we lost loved ones. And we, we've talked about a lot of this. And everything changes. But we've got this God who does what? Does not change. He is who he is. I am who I am. He does not change. The people that say that they'll always be there for you, they won't always. Not every time. Your spouse can decide they don't want to be your spouse anymore. Your boss can promise one thing and deliver another. A lot of things change and not all things are constant, but God is. So the idea of this unstable, or this stable, unchanging God is comforting. So God tells Moses to tell the Israelites, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. So here he says, tell him, Yahweh sent me, sent you. But you might be thinking, well, what about the I am what I am? I thought that was his name. Why does the passage then say Yahweh? Well, the Hebrew language is, is a little bit different when it's written. There are no vowels in the Hebrew Bible. I mean, if you're chiseling stuff on stone, you're going to want to save some time, right? You know, I mean, they're not in there, you know, on Google Sheets or docu Google Documents, you know, just pounding that thing out. They're chiseling this thing or using a scroll and, you know, ink and all this sort of parchment. And so they only put their consonants in and it worked well. They could understand it. And so what we see there in the passage is it's a time saver. And the Hebrew Bible simply reads Yahweh in YHWH. That was what was in the Hebrew text. He said, tell them. Yahweh comes. And see, Yahweh is from the same exact root word as I am who I am. But Aya is in the first person and Yahweh is in the third person. Have I completely lost you? So here's what I'm saying. So Aya means I am. Aya, Asher, Aya. But Yahweh means he is. So when God says his name, it's Aya. When we say God's name, it's Yahweh. So you got it. We got it. So Yahweh, when we're talking about him, we say Yahweh. When he says his name, it's Aya. And honestly, 
you know, it, it's confusing, but that's the vast majority of scholars' best guess of the vows. We don't even know exactly, exactly 100%, but that's the best guess, and that's a pretty good consensus. But to complicate things more, the Hebrews didn't want to break the commandment about honoring the name of God and not misusing it, and so they even started calling him something different in the Scriptures because they didn't want to misuse the name of Yahweh. And so what they started doing was calling him Adonai, which means Lord. And then, I, I mean, I'm just really, I, I'm just really getting this muddy here, but I hope we, we hear these words. I want us to know what we're talking about. So they started saying Adonai, which is Lord. And then it, people developed a word you may have heard before, Jehovah. Jehovah. Jehovah was a word where they simply did this. They took the vowels from Adonai and put them in the middle of the consonants Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. Everybody with me? So they made the word Jehovah. And so because of the Jewish use of Adonai, Yahweh is often translated the Lord. All right? So when you read even our passage, we're going to read here again in just a second. You're going to see the Lord, the Lord. And that is literally Yahweh. Is what it is. But they didn't want to misuse the name, and so they said, let's call him the Lord. Term of reverence, but as we're going to discover here, just like God, it's more of a title. Have I, have I lost you? Wait, uh, reach over and pinch your neighbor or do something like that. Because we, we got a point for this. It's, we're getting something good here. The problem is that it's not ideal to just simply always say the Lord. Because Lord is a title. It's like me calling my little boy Andrew the son. You know, come here, the son. It's not very personal, is it? And I have a relationship with him that is very personal. One of my greatest joys is when I come in the house and he comes running and, you know, is ready to hug me. It doesn't always happen. So when it does, I am super excited. So do you think I'd go face palm to the head? The son sit down. No, I'm like ready. I'm boom. I'm here. And I'm grabbing him up. And so when we have a close relationship, now for the, for the Hebrews, they could not imagine a close relationship with God. But we know because of Jesus, we get to have a close relationship with the Father, Yahweh. And so we don't want to just simply only call him the Lord. We want to also use his name that he's given. Because what you call someone says a lot about your relationship. All right, Exodus chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. God says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but by my name, Yahweh, I didn't make myself fully known. And here's a lesson I want us to, to get real quick. God doesn't always reveal all of himself to us all at once, does he? Because you can't handle it, can you? I can't handle it. I mean, it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? Even after you become a Christian, it's not, you don't automatically know everything about God. You can live your whole life and get to know a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And so when he was dealing with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he says, I didn't even reveal myself as Yahweh. I just said things like El Shaddai or El Eyan. He used all these other names to describe himself, to give them a little glimpse. And not until on top of Mount Sinai. Did Moses get a fuller understanding of Yahweh's name? He heard Yahweh first at the bush, but there in that terrifying cloud shrouded around that mountain, we see this, Exodus 34, beginning in verse 4. It says, So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, 
And he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hands the two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. God stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, Yahweh. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, that's Yahweh. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Some of that is really comforting and some of that is scary. And that's what we're going to look at for the next few weeks. We're going to try to answer the questions as best as we can to look at all those parts of the character of God. And so Moses was finally ready to know more of God. Are you? Are you ready to know more of God? You see, throughout the Bible, God continues to reveal more of himself and more of himself. And then, boom, Jesus enters the scene. Man, do we get to know God, the Father, Yahweh, right then and there even better. In John chapter 1, when John opens up about the Word becoming flesh, full of grace and truth, it's hard to see in the English, but he's borrowing heavily from Exodus 34 that we just read. Those Hebrews that were reading at first would have got it. And then in John 17, verse 6 and 26, Jesus said, I have manifested your name to the people... Whom you gave me out of the world. He's talking to God the Father, Yahweh. And he says, I've manifested your name to the people that you've given me. Verse 26. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. And the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What Jesus is saying is, I have given them a fuller understanding of who you are, Yahweh. I've given them a fuller understanding. Eugene Peterson translates that verse. He says... I have spelled out your character in detail. If you want to know what Yahweh is like, look at Jesus. When we see Jesus, we truly get to see Yahweh and what he is like. That's why when Christians early on especially would say that Jesus is Lord, it was earth shattering. It was absolutely earth shattering for them to walk around saying Jesus is Lord. For us, it's not too big of a deal. You know, maybe some people might laugh at you. But overall, we'll say it pretty easily. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It doesn't necessarily carry the weight with us. But it was earth shattering. To the Romans, it was blasphemy. Because there was only one Lord. And that was who? Caesar. And so to call Jesus Lord was like, oh, because they thought Caesar was a god. Which he was not very godlike. He was like the Roman mythology gods, but that's a whole other story. And to the Jews, it was equating Jesus with Yahweh. And so anytime you walked around and you said Jesus is Lord, you're summoning up the guts and the courage and the faith to say, I'm trusting you, God. You are Lord, and I'm going to tell people. I love this passage that John Mark Comer says in his book because I think it just it, it works in my brain. Maybe it works in yours, too. Maybe you can relate to it. He says, for years, I thought of Yahweh in the Old Testament as a parallel with the Father in the New. Like they're two different ones, Old Testament God and New Testament God. And he goes on and he says, like Jesus is a newcomer in the story. That's wrong and dangerous. It leads to a twisted caricature as if the Father is the, the grumpy old warmonger 
in the Old Testament. And Jesus is the son who went off to Berkeley and came home with all sorts of radical ideas about grace and love and tolerance and basically said, come on, Dad, let's just love people, right? Let's just love. And he says, let's not kill everybody. How about I die for them instead? The problem is that that's way off base. Is that Jesus didn't come in the scene and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, these people aren't that bad. Let me die for them. Don't punish them. He didn't convince God of anything. All this was in the mind of God. He is God. He is Yahweh. And this is a huge idea because God is a person in the sense that he is a relational being. He's not just some force or some foreign deity. He desires relationships with you and me, us. And he ultimately showed that in the richest way in Jesus. But he wanted that before and he was trying to restore that before. He made us for relationship. He wants to know us and know us deeply and he wants us to know him deeply. And in his relationship with Moses, it's recorded in Exodus 33 beginning in verse 11. Or in just verse 11, excuse me. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's mind-boggling for me. That's mind-blowing. And then Moses asked Yahweh to show him his ways. And God says, I will go with you. And then he gets really bold. And he says, show me your glory. And Yahweh basically says, okay, here's how it's going to work. So your face doesn't melt off. I'll hide you in a rock and I'll let you look as I pass by. This is what he says. He asks, he says, I want to see you. And he says, okay. But he gives him a way to protect him, and he puts him there. And this is God who's talking to his what? His friend. He, he's relating to him. And then there comes the doozy. Back up a chapter to chapter 32 of Exodus. When the Israelites got Aaron, Moses' brother, to make the golden calf so they could worship it, because Moses was on the mountain with God. He'd been gone just a little too long, and they started freaking out. God, it says, wanted to destroy the people. And it says Moses pleaded with Yahweh. That shows you, at least me, this relationship between God and Moses had to be fairly comfortable. Because if I see this anger of this almighty God, remember they're already on this mountain that's shrouded by clouds and thunder and lightning. And they were told if anybody touches the mountain except Moses, that they would die. Any animal, anything touches it, they would die. You know, this is this God, and he's mad, and he's like, I want to destroy these people because they've already turned their back on me after I just talk, took them, set them free, took them through the Red Sea, provided water from the rock, all these different things, and they're already turned their back on me. And so Moses has the whatever to say, hey, hey, hold, wait, hold up. I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good, just spare me. I'm not going to incur his wrath anymore but he feels comfortable because the way that God had been relating to him and he says in a very shortened form please relent have mercy on them for your honor for your glory and it says in verse 14 and the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people see God had stated his course of action after Moses's plea or he changed his stated course of action after Moses' plea. I don't begin to tell you that I understand exactly how all this works. And if you try to claim that you know exactly, I, I'm going I'm to push back on you a little bit. 
But I do know this, and I want you to hear this. Prayer works. Prayer works. Talking to God is not just talking to the ceiling or talking to the sky or God is great, God is good, let's thank for our food. That's not all it is. It's that and a lot more. It's talking to a God who wants to hear what we have to say and wants to know what's on, his, on our hearts. When we speak, God listens. When, we, when you speak, God listens. And some of you came in here saying, yeah, I know that, but you don't know that. How do I know? Because I've been that person. I've been that person recently when I'm like, I don't know if God's listening to me. Yeah, he's probably listening to all these other people, but I don't think he's listening to me. And, and you've got to examine your life and you've got to make sure you don't have some big glaring sin in your life. But God wants to hear what we have to say, people. He yearns to hear what we have to say. No matter how it happened in God's mind, we see God respond. And so God is more than just a formula. He's more than just an algorithm. Mr. Comer, in his book, gives a common example of our formulas for God. He says, morality plus religious stuff minus sin equals God's blessing in our minds a lot. We just, okay, we plug in the formula and God's going to bless us, right? But that's not exactly how it works, is it? You know, an example of what that might look like is Bible reading plus church minus not sleeping with our boyfriend or girlfriend before we get married equals God's blessing. That's what we would think. But the problem is, is if you treat God that way, that you'll end up frustrated and confused. Because just because you do the right things as much as you can doesn't mean your life is always going to go perfect. Actually, Scripture shows that because there's sin and death and, and the deceiver in the world, that many times the more you do right, the more you're going to get attacked. But God's blessings will come even in the trials. And you'll learn to see that you might suffer for a while, but eternity with God is far greater than anything. And so it's not just a formula we plug in, but there is something we can learn. We can see a pattern throughout the Bible. If you blank, then I will blank. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is a very familiar passage of Scripture. God says to Solomon in a dream as an answer to his prayer, he says, if... My people humble themselves. Now, this is a shortened version. If my people humble themselves and pray, then I will turn and forgive and heal. God says, if, then I will do this. Jeremiah 18, verses 7 through 10. God says, if I declare judgment against the nation, if then they repent, I will relent. God says, if you do this, then I will do this. If we pray, if we obey, if we ask, then God reacts. He relents. God forgives. God heals. God is yearning to answer our prayers. But how many times is prayer a plan C, D, E, F, or G? Or sometimes Z. It's not plan A. Plan, prayer needs to be plan A. Talk to the God who made you and who loves you. Prayer is powerful. Guess why? Not because you're good but because Yahweh is good and he is powerful. I hope I haven't lost you. This has been a lot of stuff. But it may be easy to think that God only relates like this to certain people. The good people, right? The people who've got it all together, the people who know all the answers, the people who did it all right when they were a teenager and in college and even still to this day. But do you remember the passage 
from John 17 from earlier, verse 26. Jesus said, talking to Yahweh, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus came to fill in the gaps and make the wrongs right so that you and I could have the kind of relationship with Yahweh that Yahweh intended all along. He came to make it so His love could be in us and that Jesus Himself could be in us through the Holy Spirit. He wants to us to know Him better. He wants to know the Father better. And prayer speaks to the heart of God. Because Jesus came so we could be restored to Yahweh, but even more to know Him and experience Him like Jesus does. Does that blow your mind? Is that Jesus came so that you could have the relationship with God the Father like He does. Not some second-rate, low-class, budget, Ollie's, Walmart version of relationship with God. Some of y'all don't even know what Ollie's is. But I'm telling you, he came so that you could have a full relationship with the Father in the fullness of God. And prayer speaks to the heart of God and Yahweh speaks to our hearts and helps shape us to his will as we pray. And James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Maybe more isn't happening in your life, in my life, in the life of our family, in the life of our church. Maybe more isn't happening because we're not talking to Yahweh. Maybe we're not talking to Yahweh. And you may feel like you, you aren't worthy to talk to God. You're not. <laughs> You're not worthy to talk to God on your own. But when we come to Jesus, and we come in Jesus' name, we are marched right into the presence of God, and we live in the presence of God, and even more, the presence of God lives in us. So when we come and we pray and we say in Jesus' name, all right, how many of y'all have uh, been praying at night? You're laying there with your head on your pillow and you're talking to God and you've got all these good intentions. Dear Lord, be with this family member and Lord, help me with this thing at work and all this sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden, and then in the morning when you wake up, do you say, in Jesus' name, amen? Do you do that just to cover your bases? Oh, you're holy and righteous. Um, I've done that before. I've been like, oh, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. It's not an email signature, is it? It's not supposed to just be tagged on, and if you don't say that, it's not going to get answered. But here's what in praying in Jesus' name means. When you pray in Jesus' name, it's saying two things. Number one is this. We're praying in line with Jesus' character to see the kind of things that he wants to see happen in the world. So when we say in Jesus' name, that's the kind of prayers that we're wanting to pray. We want to pray in Jesus' character to see the kind of things that he wants to see happen in the world. And the second one is this. When we are praying, we have the same access to the Father that Jesus does. And if you don't leave here with anything else, I hope and pray that you leave with that if you didn't have it already. Is that when we pray in Jesus' name, there is no barrier, there is no burden, there is nothing standing in the way between our access to the Father. He longs to hear what you have to say, what I have to say, even me. Even me.
He wants to hear what we have to say. So as we know Yahweh better, let's talk to him with confidence. He wants to hear from us. Let's ask him for healing. Let's ask him for hope. Let's ask him for forgiveness. Let's ask him for revival. Let's ask him for unity, for souls to be saved. Let's ask him for things that Jesus wants to see happen first and foremost. Ask him for everything, but ask him for those kind of things too. When the world is shaking and unsteady, remember the I am. He never changes. I hope and pray I haven't scared you off with this first message. It was, it was a lot of stuff. But it's my goal, and I hope it's your goal as well, over these next few weeks that we want to come away with a deeper insight into who Yahweh, our Father, is, into who Jesus is, into who the Holy Spirit is. We want to know the unchanging, steady God that loves us and longs to be in relationship with us and all that that entails. And I'm telling you, if we open up our eyes and open up our ears and open up our hearts, God is going to do some amazing things over these next few weeks. Do you know the I am? Let's pray. Father, Yahweh, the I am, the one who does not change like shifting shadows. Father, we come to you and we ask you to help us to deconstruct any false version of you that we've created if we have tried to make you into our own image lord forgive us father we turn up our nose at the story of the hebrews and aaron making a god of of uh, gold but lord we often make a god of flesh that looks just like us forgive us father help us to seek you to know you better to run after you to chase after you father because you have chased after us across millennia you sent your son to die on the cross to have his body broken and his blood shed so that the way to you could be opened back up and so I pray father that we would walk through that open way of Jesus God if we need to give our life to Jesus I pray that we wouldn't wait any longer today that we would turn and follow Jesus be baptized into Christ and have a new life, forgiveness of sins, and the Holy Spirit in us. And if we've been doing that, Father, help us to seek your face more and to get to know you deeper and to never settle for less or a counterfeit version, but to know you, Yahweh, the great I am. Give us hope. Give us peace. Help us to make sure your kingdom is alive and well here on earth, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.